faithwire.com. Hello and welcome to 4 and 3, the podcast breaking down four of the most important stories of the day and three things you need to know about them all from a Christian perspective. Today's Monday, May 17th. 2021. I'm Dan Andros, and coming up on the podcast today, Israel continues to defend itself against a barrage of attacks from Gaza, and Twitter temporarily suspends a politician for tweeting that men cannot get pregnant. Angry parents have lashed out at a school board over pornographic material being taught to teens, and Texas reports zero COVID deaths two months after Biden called reopening Neanderthal thinking. We'll have all those stories and more with Trey Goins Phillips from Faithwire.com. Trey, happy Monday to you, sir. And happy Monday to you. I know yes. that you you have missed a, a, a week of this wonderful news. <laughs> yes, uh, I would be lying if I said I paid attention to one <laughs> bit of it while I was gone. All right, maybe a little bit. I checked in once in a while, but 99% of the time on vacation and not paying attention to it was an absolutely lovely thing. Well, I think taking a break from the news is good for one's physical and mental health. Yeah, yeah, especially us because we have to sit here and basically we read through it it nonstop so that you're just kind of in tune with what's going on. And uh, I think that's more than the average, even an average news reader, I think, isn't going to scan through as much as we are just because we're constantly reading. And yeah, yeah, so it's it feels very good to unplug from that and just... uh, and just kind of zone out, spend some yeah. time with the family. So, uh, sure. but but back into it now. And Israel is entering the second week of its fourth war with the Hamas terror group. And the fighting began last Monday after Hamas fired rockets at Jerusalem, uh, allegedly in response to clashes at the Al Aqsa Mosque on the Temple Mount. And uh, terrorists in Gaza have launched some 3,100 rockets at Israel in just one week. Uh, marking some of the worst fighting between Hamas and Israel since uh, the 2014 war. Uh, Israel's airstrikes have leveled several high-rise buildings in Gaza City, which Israel alleges contain Hamas military infrastructure. Among them, interestingly, was a building housing the office of multiple, multiple major media outlets like the Associated Press and Al Jazeera, which raises questions, what in the world are Hamas operatives doing working in the same building? as the AP and other media outlets. But uh, Israel continued their strikes today, and they said they were targeting the homes of nine Hamas commanders and underground tunnels. Uh, The army said that the houses were attacked. The houses attacked were used as terrorist infrastructure, and some of the houses' uh, weapons depots were found in them. So meanwhile, Hamas continues to fire rockets at civilian areas, uh, areas in the Gaza Strip, um, uh, at, at civilians in Israel. One rocket landed on a synagogue in the southern Israeli city of Ashkelon on Sunday, just hours before uh, a religious holiday began. There were no reported injuries on that one. Wonder Woman star Gal Gadot defended her native Israel in a statement last week, saying, my heart breaks. Um, she has served, actually, a two-year stint as in the Israeli Defense Forces from 05 to 07. And she said, my country's at war. I worry for my family, my friends. I worry for my people. This is a vicious cycle that has been going on for far too long. She said, Israel deserves to live as a free and safe nation. Our neighbors deserve the same. I pray for the victims and their families. I pray for this unimaginable hostility to end. I pray for our leaders to find the solution so we can live side by side in peace. So what's the left saying? Well, 
The left is portraying Israel in this sort of villainous light, as often is the case, with the focus being on Israel's response rather than the provocation by Hamas, uh, which is a terrorist organization and known as such. So an example of a typical headline you'll read goes something like this. An Israeli airstrike in Gaza destroyed several homes on Sunday, killing 42 Palestinians, including 10 children, health officials said, as militants fired rockets at Israel with no end in sight to seven days of fighting. So the implication, if you read a headline like that, um, which I believe was from Reuters, uh, is left that, that Israel's just raining down airstrikes on Gaza, and then Hamas is simply responding to these attacks yeah. on these hapless civilians. And what's the right saying? Well, they're saying the, the, the exact opposite is what's really happening, that Hamas fires these rockets indiscriminately into Israel repeatedly at civilians, uh, and then Israel responds by trying to go after military targets. And then we all know that Hamas has been known to use human shields, placing their bases in hospitals and civilian areas. So when Israel strikes back, they claim that it, civilians are being targeted. So so why does it matter? What well, matters because first and foremost, we've I mean, we've had a long period of relative peace in Israel that kind of appears to be at an end, at least for now. And you've got innocent lives uh, in the crossfire. And and the media is just untrustworthy on this topic. I mean, I, I saw it firsthand, Trey, a couple years ago, reporting yeah. on tr when Trump was opening the U.S. embassy in Jerusalem. I, I went there for it. And uh, there was some chaos down at the border on the southern border on Gaza. And it's just amazing. You watch the media concoct a narrative. They had There was a media row there of all these reporters standing there waiting to file the reports and it was so obvious that they were trying to breach the border fence, uh, and there, there, they had material, you know, attacks at civilians. So it was very clear what the intentions were. And then when they would protect their border, the media would go with a headline like that: "Israel shoots and kills protesters." And you're yeah. like, no, well, they weren't just sitting there; they were like trying to breach, <laughs> violently breach into the country. So. Um, you know, it's a tough situation that Israel's in and how do they handle this? But uh, the media just clearly has a horse in this race and it's frustrating to watch sometimes the narratives unfold. Yeah, and it's it's odd because it's almost as if so many of these reporters who are from different uh, backgrounds, at, at different networks, different ages, all, all that stuff, yet they all seem to come to the exact same conclusion <laughs> yeah. about how they should report on Israel and yeah. Hamas and the Gaza Strip. Uh, and it's it's as if they kind of exist, exist in this bubble. Uh, and it it's just it does not occur to them to see it from the other perspective no. because it's only written about, like you said, you're exactly right. It is only written about in one way. Uh, and Chris Mitchell, uh, the CBN, our correspondent at CBN in, in Jerusalem, uh, he said this morning on Newswatch that watching what's happening right now is literally he said it's like a replay of 2014. We're yeah. seeing all of it happen all over again, not only in what's actually happening on the ground, but also in the way the media is reporting on it. Uh, it's it's as if we haven't learned anything uh, from 2014, and we're just seeing it all uh, unfold again. So certainly, obviously, as Christians, we need to be praying for peace there for for both sides. Uh, but you know, we we obviously want to want to pray for Israel, uh, pray for their protection too uh, during this time because it's a it's just a. It's a tough, tough time, I'm sure. I, I can't imagine what it's yeah. like to be oh. a civilian just on the ground living there. When I was there, we went and visited these. Uh, it was uh, Sterot, which is down on the border there near Gaza. Yeah. And they've got air raid shelters there that people can run in. 
uh, that are just all around that you just around town and like you see some of the buildings have you know shrapnel damage to them a school had shrapnel damage to it yeah it's crazy that people live amongst that but uh, it is the reality there and it and it certainly is difficult yeah for sure definitely definitely need to be praying for yeah for peace there and for an end to to this war absolutely so all right story number two so twitter temporarily suspended a spanish politician late last week after he tweeted that a man cannot get pregnant because he has no womb or eggs. <laughs> so although the post was obviously scientifically accurate, yeah. uh, Twitter uh, suspended Francisco Jose Contreras' account for 12 hours, according to Fox News. Uh, the Vox Party politician shared the comment in response to an article uh, about a biological female who now identifies as a male, uh, announcing that she would be giving birth to a baby girl. Uh, obviously, the headline of the article framed it as if a man would be giving birth to a girl, uh, and Contreras was saying, that's just not possible. <laughs> Uh, so uh, Contreras then took to Facebook uh, last Tuesday, and he said uh, that he had been temporarily banned from Twitter for hate speech, as he called it. He said, the hateful tweet, which I was forced to delete, uh, was one that said, a man cannot get pregnant. A man has no womb or eggs. You can see this is already fascist biology. Next time, I'll try two plus two equals four, <laughs> he wrote kind of sarcastically. Uh, so according to Twitter, Contreras' post violated its policies against content that threatens, harasses, or fosters violence against others based on their race, ethnic origin, nationality, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religion, age, disability, or disease. Uh, the company also warned the politician that if he continues to break the rules, uh, he could be permanently banned from the platform. So what's the left saying? Well, the left has totally blurred the line on sexuality with its embrace of transgenderism, and many have sought to push out even fellow liberals like J.K. Rowling, who support the LGBT community, uh, but at the same time acknowledge there's a difference between a biological woman and a transgender woman, uh, meaning a biological male who identifies as a female, but that that perspective, that view has been uh, has been kind of dismissed and pushed to the side as as unacceptable by a lot of people uh, on the left. So it's the right saying. Well, I want to first. I want to acknowledge it. Debbie Hayton. She's actually is a, a transgender identified female. She's born a biological male. Uh, came to Contreras' defense. Hayton tweeted, "Be careful if you want to stay on Twitter. It's not permitted to defend basic biological mm. truths." Uh, and Hayden uh, has acknowledged that he is a biological male. Uh, he's asked, actually also faced a lot of backlash for acknowledging that and has, has been uh, censored on social media for saying that he is a biological male who identifies as a transgender woman. Uh, so obviously then conservatives and Christians have argued that we should rely on the science. Uh, it is in fact impossible for a non-biological female to give birth to a child. Uh, so why does it matter? Well, I think the big problem here is that we as a society have completely shifted the conversation. Uh, the rules in place at Twitter kind of presuppose a particular ideology while at the same time claiming yeah. to be nonpartisan uh, because the rules in effect say that a transgender person is the sex with which he or she identifies. And it treats any posts that share even like clinical biological facts rather than someone's narrative or lived experience as hateful or abusive. And it's like, how can we have a conversation about it when you, you know, the, the black and white facts of something are now deemed hateful? Uh, so it, like I said, it, it presupposes the position and makes it pretty 
pretty yeah. close to impossible to have an actual objective conversation about this. Yeah. Now, a hundred percent. I think Joe Rogan had a couple of, maybe a year or two ago, uh, some time ago had on his podcast, which is, I think the most listened to podcast yeah. out of all the podcasts. And he had someone from Twitter on, and he was kind of pushing back on this very point that, well, Twitter's taking a position and, you know, you're, you're not allowing truthful statements to be made because you're just declaring it hateful. And she sort of weaseled around and, you know, kind of filibustered a little bit and didn't really answer the question. And um, because I don't think there is a good answer to it. <laughs> yeah, no. There's no good answer to it other than we would rather... Um, virtue signal here than let people speak truth. Yeah, and I think it, the same thing that, that I was talking about with uh, the journalists and their covering of Israel and Hamas, like living in a bubble. I think that's the same thing that's happened with these social media yeah. platforms. Uh, it's it's it does not compute <laughs> to people who lead like Twitter and Facebook or yeah. whatever to say. Like you do see that your policies presuppose a political ideology. I mean that thought just doesn't really like no. register. With them, they're like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, because they're surrounded by people who all they all think exactly the same, uh, and they see themselves as just forward thinking and accepting and like you know progressive, wonderful yeah. minds. Uh, it's like the idea that that there could be a dark side or you know a negative <laughs> outcome from these policies is just not a not yeah. not a possibility in their minds. Well, and it shows just how um, really effective identity politics from the left has been because yeah. a lot of people just associate that with, oh, well, this is the morally correct position to have. Well, yes. now you've just taken a political position and we're seeing that across the board on things like um, you know, critical race theory. And now you're, you're a racist if you don't accept these things. And, you know, which couldn't be further from the truth. There are legitimate concerns about these types of uh, ideas being pushed, but because of identity politics, you're not allowed to oppose them without being labeled, you know, being against one of those groups. So, um, yeah, so it's a, it's a political game and it's, uh, unfortunate, uh, 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 for the country, but Twitter, uh, we'll see if the pendulum ever shifts, but, uh, too many people might be banned by the time <laughs> for it to ever do so. Um, they're going to be in their own little bubble eventually with everybody else being, being banned for saying things like two plus two is four. Yeah. So yeah. Now it's, it is unfortunate that we're, cre we're just creating essentially two worlds by all yeah. with all of this instead of actually coexisting and, you know, tolerating one another, which is like a foreign concept. Yeah. Uh, we're just creating these two, these two separate spaces, uh, on, on the internet, which is, yeah. can't be good in the long run. Nope. Uh, not at all. So, all right. Hey, this, another thing that's really not, not good. And it's very concerning, but I think people need to be aware of, which is uh, why, of course, we reported on it on uh, Faithwire and CBN. But uh, a group of mothers and parents addressed the Loudoun County School Board in Virginia after learning the district made available to their children books that just was full of pornographic and explicit content. Um, there was a video clip uh, you can see on faithwire.com and on CBN as well, uh, which contains content that may be offensive to some because the parents read excerpts just from the books. That's what's offensive about it. Describing scenarios ranging from violent domestic abuse to underage teens engaging in various sexual acts. One mom read an excerpt that portrayed a girl explicitly describing the genitalia of a quote pretty basic boy with whom she then has sex um which is described pretty vividly 
uh, another parent stood at the podium to read um, a, a portion that had sexual acts between a boy and a girl on a teacher's desk in the classroom. Um, and then a fourth mother read an excerpt seemingly describing a male being sexually assaulted by a female. Um, the Loudoun County public school system released a statement telling parents that if they feel a book is not appropriate for their student, they're free to submit a formal request for the reconsideration of instruction, instructional materials. Oh, I'm sure parents just feel so empowered with that. They could, <laughs> right. they could submit a form. Um, this comes as the same school uh, district is under fire for its apparent embrace of the principles of critical race theory. Well, what's the left saying? Well, the left is generally kind of crawled back into the shell on this one, kind of hoping it goes by. Um, but they often, vi the left often vigorously defends public schools and promotes them as sort of the only, only acceptable choice. You'll see a lot, the unions in the left fight school vouchers tooth and nail every time they come up. It's like they want to kind of trap people there. Uh, in the public school system and what's the right saying well a lot on the right are fed up with what they feel is massive indoctrination happening uh, across a lot of public schools you know and um as we've talked about Trey, i think most teachers are, are well-meaning and want to stick to the basics but you've got a lot of yeah. activists who view schools as sort of this indoctrination um uh tool for for future generations for them to kind of program how they think um on yeah. issues like crt and and sexual and gender issues. Um, and so why does it matter? Well, it matters because obviously future generations of Americans are currently coming up through this public education system. And if, if parents don't speak up and say things, uh, you know, and, and speak out against content that is troubling, um, what's the country going to look like in the next 10 to 20 years? What are they going to allow? I mean, it's clear that activists want to push the envelope with some of yeah. the content that's happening. And it's obviously not every school, not every district, not every teacher, obviously. And, I, you know, and I know teachers sometimes, you know, shudder at the, at this and get frustrated that they're getting criticized, but I don't really think it's a teacher thing. I, it's more of a system thing. Um, you know, rather than, of course, there's going to be individual bad teachers and just like there are in every field, uh, in every industry. Uh, so I think the main issue is just that when you have these activists constantly pushing stuff, some of this stuff's going to seep in there, but you got to speak out when it, when it, uh, comes along and these parents did. Yeah. And if for any of our listeners who haven't read the story on Faithwire, I definitely encourage you to go over and, and watch the video. Like Dan said, there's some content in there that certainly is explicit and, and will probably be offensive. But at the end of the clip, uh, there's a man who's representing all of the, the parents. He comes up and he talks and he, <laughs> he, he essentially he, he says that my kids don't go to these <laughs> don't go to these schools, which he says are, are not good schools. Uh, yeah. But he says, use some colorful language there. Yeah, he does. But uh, um, but he he says that, you know, that they still need defending and we still need yeah. to get rid of this issue because he essentially calls out the school board and saying, you've got this process in place that's supposed to weed out the really inappropriate and, and offensive and wrong content. Uh, and your system has failed. Like it's allowed these books to go through mm. uh, and has put these books in a library system. Uh, and now you need to do your actually do your job and get this kind of content out uh, out of the, the library for any kid essentially to walk into the school library and pick up and, and check out as a book uh, to read. 
So I, I think, you know, I guess the the silver lining of 2020 is it's maybe made some of this more transparent. Uh, a lot of the stuff that's going on in schools because parents have, have been able to literally sit and watch it yeah. uh, happening as their kids are on Zoom calls or, you know, Skype or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I guess that, like I said, I guess that's, that's maybe a, a good thing that's come out of that is that, that a lot of these schools are, are getting exposed for some of this, this kind of stuff. Uh, but you know, if nothing else, if you can't take your kids out of public school, cause I realize that that's not a, a viable option for every parent, at least be involved in your community as much as you can go yeah. to the school board meetings, uh, check, check into what your kids are reading, what kind of content that they're consuming and their curriculum and all that kind of stuff. Just be aware because you never know, like, like Dan said, a lot of the teachers, the majority of the teachers are well-intentioned, but that doesn't mean that there aren't problems with the system and they're, they're having to push stuff that is problematic. So, you know, whether it's about sexuality and gender or CRT, definitely pay attention to whatever content your kids are, are consuming and reading about. Amen to that. So, all right, story number four. So on Sunday evening, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, yesterday, uh, he reported the state uh, saw zero COVID-related deaths, uh, which is a first in a long time. Uh, The fewest COVID cases uh, in more than 13 months and the state's lowest seven-day positivity rating uh, rate since the pandemic began and the lowest number of hospitalizations in a year. Uh, So all really good news Mm. coming out of Texas. But the governor's announcement came a little more than two months after President Biden, uh, some might remember, uh, condemned Abbott for lifting Texas's restrictions, including its mask mandate. Uh, Biden said at the time uh, that it was Neanderthal thinking uh, for Abbott to reopen the state and said it is critical, 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 critical mm. to keep restrictions in place. For those who are counting, that was the four criticals on, <laughs> on March 3rd. He said that it was that critical for Biden, I mean, for Abbott to keep uh, their restrictions in place. Uh, so what's what's the left saying? Well, uh, I just told you, obviously, how Biden reacted in March uh, and failed Senate and presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke uh, said at the time that it is not hyperbole to accuse Abbott of sacrificing the lives of our fellow Texans for mm. political gain. Uh, <laughs> he, also, he also appeared on MSNBC with Nicole Wallace, who called it cruelty for Republicans to want to lift restrictions. Uh, Beta said it's hard to escape the conclusion that the GOP is a cult of death, full of people literally upending civilization as we know it. (laughs) He then tweeted that lifting the mask mandate was a death warrant for Texans, uh, accusing Abbott of killing the people of Texas. Uh, so as for Biden, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about Neanderthal, that Neanderthal thinking comment uh, last week, and here's what she said. What happened to President Biden saying in March that he thought lifting mask mandates before every adult American goes and gets a shot is Neanderthal thinking? Well, first, let me say that the president, our North Star, has been listening to the guidance of our health and medical experts and teams, and that's exactly what we're doing in this case. And just to reiterate, uh, the CDC, the doctors and medical experts there, were the ones who determined what this guidance would be based on their own data and what the timeline would be. That was not a decision directed by, made by the White House. It was inform- The White House was informed of that decision, just to give people assurance of that. So obviously she was referring to the CDC guidance last week and President Biden's announcement that fully vaccinated people no longer have to wear masks. And uh, Peter Ducey at Fox News was saying, well, what happened to the, uh, he used to think that was Neanderthal thinking and now he's 
okay with it, uh, even though only uh, you know a certain percentage of Americans have the vaccine, like Ducey said. So yeah. what's the right thing? Well, Republicans have been calling for mandates to be lifted for quite some time. Uh, Texas is one of a handful of states that lifted or never even had far-reaching mandates like Florida and then South Dakota, yeah. uh, which never put anything in place as far as I recall. Uh, I don't think uh, Governor Nome ever really put any sort of uh, restrictions no. in place, just encouraged people to be safe and take personal responsibility. Uh, so why does it matter? Well, if we're going to follow the science, we should follow the science. Uh, you know, we've known for quite some time what the science says, which is that it's pretty safe uh, to to go back out into society, particularly as more and more people get vaccinated, as we know more uh, about who's vulnerable and who's not uh, for, you know, severe uh, outcomes with the, the this virus. So it, it's unfortunate to see that politicians only start to do what's obviously safe and obviously right uh, when it becomes politically expedient for them to do so. Like, it seems pretty obvious that that's what the Biden yeah. administration is doing now. It's like, well, there's a, there's a political benefit to be had uh, to kind of start rolling back all this stuff when we've known for a couple of months that yeah. we could be rolling back this stuff. Yeah, and, and they keep saying, like you said, follow the science. And it, it sure seemed like they weren't following it before. And it makes you wonder, well, why are you not following? You know, Why are you wearing a mask once you're vaccinated? You know, why are you doing all these things? Wearing a mask outside when we know that there's virtually no spread outside whatsoever. Yeah. Um, and and uh, why are they doing that? And the only, to me, plausible explanation is that they're trying to stick to a narrative. And whether that narrative is well-meaning or not, it, it, it seems to be the only real reason why you would contradict uh, is because you're worried about, and they've said this before, how it looks. They're worried yeah. about how it looks. And I think um, what you're seeing is the Biden administration feels that uh, the Trump administration didn't take the virus seriously enough. And so they came in over serious. And now they're going to try to be the ones that sort of play hero and say, well, we we took it serious. We slowed the spread. And now we're opening everything up. It, it sure seems like that is the narrative that they want. Um, instead of just going with what the science says, which is, oh, well, the vaccinations work. And so we should be able to get back to normal. I mean, remember, Trey, I mean, it's 15 days to slow the spread. Yeah. The goalposts have moved so many times as it pertains to our freedoms. Yeah. Right. And I have no problem if a business says, hey, we require a mask to enter. Just like they can say no shirt, no shoes, no service. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's the same thing. I mean, it's annoying. I'd rather they didn't do that. But it, that's their prerogative. But it's when the government... Uh, is really pushing these restrictions and saying, just take the vaccine and then we'll get back to normal. That, their leash, I mean, is so far gone on that because uh, it's just they're just making it up now. I mean, there's no there's no justification for restrictions at this point. I mean, we're just so far beyond that. I mean, early yeah. on, it was so we don't overwhelm the hospitals. And I when we didn't know anything about the virus, that was a very legitimate time period to take precautions and to have government shut things down and impose restrictions but now beyond businesses doing what they want to do and what they feel is the right thing to do there shouldn't be any government and honest any restriction uh at all because they it just doesn't seem like they have any legal grounds to do so or constitutional grounds 
Yeah, I think that's 100% true. And also, what a what a bizarre messaging campaign we've had from the government for so (laughs) long. Like, you know, for from uh, January to now or to last week, we had been hearing essentially you need to get vaccinated. But by the way, nothing is changing. Like, everything is going to stay exactly the same, but you have to get vaccinated. So there is literally no incentive. I just want to know, how did it take until uh, almost mid-May? of 2021, so a year and a half almost into a, well, a little over a year into a pandemic. How did it take that long for the government to realize, oh, actually the best way to incentivize people to get the vaccine when it's available would be to tell them <laughs> we it can works. go back to normal when yeah. you get the vaccine because it works. Yeah. Like, how did it take to this point for the, for the government, for our health yeah. officials, for state executives, all that, how did it take all of them to early to mid-May to figure that out. Yeah, and, and I want somebody to go back and it'll be great if someone does a retrospective on all the fear-mongering from d- Death Santis trending on Twitter all the time and the stuff you read from Beto O'Rourke. I mean, if there's not a more failed prediction than the things Beto O'Rourke just said there that you rattled off yeah. uh, about the future oh. impending doom uh, from opening up in March... And the same thing with Ron Death Santis, as the Twitter trend said. Uh, and you look at the numbers, and it's obviously the fear mongering was so bad, so yeah. incorrect. But there, of course, there won't be any consequences for that. The media will just sort of pretend it didn't happen, and they yeah. won't harp on it like they would harp on something that Trump says or that, that a Republican would say that would, that potentially. Be, you you know that DeSantis was correct, and Abbott is correct in their decisions and they made the right calls when there's nothing there's no reporting on it whatsoever absolutely you can't find anything right now on on uh, DeSantis or, or Abbott when it comes to reopening because or keeping the restrictions low because the facts bear out that they seem to have navigated this uh, virus about as well as you possibly could from a government state level perspective and yeah. so of course you're not going to hear that in the media you're only going to hear whenever they say something incorrect or or something doesn't go their way, you're going to hear about that, but you won't hear it the other way around. Yeah. And I think so much of it has been driven by fear from our politicians too. Like they've been, well, I don't want to be the one to go first and like lift restriction that something happened. But the truth is somebody had to go first. Somebody had to do it. Uh, And so I'm, you know, I'm glad that Abbott and and DeSantis, regardless of what blowback they face, at least they were willing to step out there and say, Hey, let's, this is what the science is suggesting. Let's give it a shot. And it looks like they were right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's our Monday episode here for you. And uh, my first one back from vacation. Glad to be back in the saddle and talking about all the news that matters. And as always, you can find more news from a Christian perspective over on CBNnews.com and FaithWire.com. And we will be back here with more uh, of the top stories and why they matter to you. Uh, God bless. I hope you have a great and fantastic rest of your Monday.